Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. It's an underdog story for the ages. In one corner, the champion of the world. In the other, a bum from the streets of Philly. This week we talk Rocky on Zack on Film. Truly, a film for the ages. Yes. I don't know if Zack gets that reference. No. And sure did sound funny. from a man who knows how to ski. <laughs> Howard Cosell, man. He was the voice of sports in the 1970s and 80s. Mm, sports. Yes, he was the man. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, uh, like you said, Zack, it's a story of a bum who, yeah. who makes it good. Uh, and it is so, a, it is a, some people would say the ultimate schmaltzy movie of all time because it's, it follows and some could argue that it created a lot of the tropes of this underdog who fights and, mm-hmm. and, and wins at the end, who works hard and perseverance and, and makes something of himself. Sure. Uh, the interesting thing is this is kind of based on, um, the Muhammad Ali, uh, Chuck Wepner fight that Stallone saw in 1975 and check this out as far as writing goes immediately after seeing that fight. Stallone locks himself in his bedroom for yeah. three days straight and pounds yeah. this script out in about, tw- you know, roughly three 20, half, uh, yeah, yeah, three, three and a half days, days, 20 hours uh, each day working on this and then comes out and emerges with this yeah, masterpiece of Rocky. Yeah. What I think is interesting about Rocky is I think there's a lot of good stuff uh, inside the movie, but kind of the stories around the film make this really a better experience overall for me. I mean, like the story of Stallone. Like really enhanced the yeah, experience. Yeah, Stallone is so poor, he has to sell his dog, he can't buy dog food while he's trying to be an actor out in Hollywood, uh, meets with some executives, kind of gives them a couple stories. They're like, nah. He's like, well, I got this other idea for a story. They're like, okay, bring it back. Like three and a half days later, he brings it back. They want it, uh, but they don't want him to act in it necessarily. They mm-hmm. want some other guy. Robert Redford. Uh, yeah, as one guy I heard, uh, they have originally the studio gives a five million dollar budget. Uh, no, cut it down to under a million, and then that's how Sylvester Stallone gets cast because, well, he wrote it. We don't have much money to spend on this movie, so he gets well, cast. And they even thought he was the wrong guy in a movie he did previously. They th- they were thought they were looking at someone completely different that wasn't Stallone. Like, oh, okay, was pretty good. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll hire Stallone. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even I mean, they had uh, for um, Adrian. You know, they had uh, um, Susan Sarandon at one oh, point yeah. in there. Mm. Uh, they thought that she looked too pretty mm-hmm. for the role. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically it was um, if we're going to hire Stallone to, to play this character, then we're lowering the budget. We're going to yeah. we're going to cripple this at the knees. And if you look at it, the movie takes place mm. in just a couple of locations. It takes place mm. in the ring at the end. Yep. It takes place at the boxing mm. Rocky's apartment. Um, streets of Philadelphia, streets, streets of Philadelphia, Philadelphia, which we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, um, meat packing plant. plant and 
the apartment, the the house that uh, Adrian yeah. Adrian lives in, and it's really mm-hmm. one room and a half of oh, that yeah. whole thing. We never, never really kitchen. see the kitchen. No. Well, we do kind of at one point where he throws the the Thanksgiving turkey out the door, oh, sure. and yeah. a little bit of Adrian's bedroom, but that could be anywhere. Oh yeah, it could have been anywhere. But mainly that living room, and because and this is one of the cool things about this being such an inexpensive movie. Million dollars, yeah, yeah, million and a half by the time it was done. It's, I think uh, they spent like four hundred thousand on publicity, or yeah. uh, four million on publicity, adjusted, or something like that. Adjusted, it was uh, a bit over four million. If that's still time, incredible, same time, that's, It'd be a that's, four million dollar movie. Yeah, for this time, that would be incredible because I mean, you look at some of the cheap movies that come out today. Kevin Smith can do it, but you look at even um, uh, three hundred. Mm-hmm. That's a thirty million dollar movie right there, which is considered. Like one of the cheapest, yes, biggest cheapest successful movies. films in like the last decade. Yes, yeah. exactly. $30 million. And that exactly. was like no sets. I mean, that was yeah, all yeah, blue all screen, screen. Yeah, yeah. All post-production. Everything. But this one is all basically sound effects and makeup work. I mean, you don't have special. I mean, you have special effects. Um, but even that is down to the cheap. I mean, when you mm-hmm. see. Here's the cool thing about sound effects in this movie. If you watch that final scene between Apollo Creed and, and Rocky Balboa. um you watch, watch it first with the sound turned up, and then watch that scene again with the sound turned down. And those guys, oh. you can tell they're missing each other by a mile. If you even know to look for it, you can have the sound uh-huh. on like, oh, that yeah, wasn't yeah. even close. Especially when they do that, like, God's point of view. Yeah, up yeah, the, yeah. There's a couple of them, yeah, like, yeah. oh, Apollo missed him by about a foot and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, th- I mean, this movie was done at such a low budget that Stallone had to call his family in. To be in this movie, <laughs> his his brother yep. Frank mm-hmm. uh, Frank Stallone um, was one of the uh, the street singers. Right. Um, his yep. father was the bell ringer and uh, composed uh, <laughs> some of the music in this piece. Now, Bill Conti did the famous uh, "Gonna Fly Now" uh, Rocky uh, theme. Uh, that mm-hmm. Bill Conti also, if I'm not mistaken, is the person who did the music on the Karate Kid. So if you mm-hmm. if you oh, listen nice. to the Karate Kid opening and you listen to "Gonna Fly Now," you hear a lot of tonal similarities between right. the, between the two. Yep. Um, his mother, which is good because it's the same movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Um, uh, his his then wife played, I think, the court reporter or a reporter in one of the scenes. So he brought a lot of his family in because this was uh, such a low budget. the The famous scene where it's like, "Hey, can I get ten minutes on the ice for my girlfriend?" Mm-hmm. Um, that had to be rewritten because the, they couldn't afford to shoot when the rink was open. And pay oh. all the extras that they needed to fill that place. So they're that's like, well, great. let's just rewrite it when it's closed. Like, yeah, why that's not? Just, that's just such a such a great example of like things working out for the better. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if that yep. was done in a crowded ring, yeah. that would just wouldn't be, have been as good. Wouldn't have been as good. I don't think you would have had that personal connection of Rocky really yeah, it's like weirdly, desperately trying yeah, it's to like, get the girl. It's like ten times more romantic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then the guy more yelling desperate. at how much time they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just seven good. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> which which leads me to something that I didn't realize until this time watching Rocky. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, again, like a lot of movies from the 70s, I'd only seen it in a piecemeal fashion. Right, but right. like mm-hmm. Rocky is a romantic comedy. Yes. Uh, well, I, yeah. In a way. I, mean, I would say it's definitely a romance. Yeah. Like a romantic movie. There, it's... It, I, I think that Rocky is a romantic comedy bookended by a sports movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it's more of a romance movie than a comedy. I think it's the um, inability for Rocky, the character, to connect with people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes his actions very sure. funny because yeah. he's always just been this person who's a bruiser and no one wants to talk to him because 
he breaks he's a, legs nah, for he's a, a big scary guy and he's a and big scary guy sounds dumb. five feet eight um but uh sticking on the romantic thing that scene after the r- the rink when he's bringing adrian back to his home yeah. mm-hmm. felt like the most awkward yeah like Super like sexually hey, pushy, yeah. Adrian, super yeah. freaky. I'm, scene I'm gonna, in, I'm gonna world. kiss you, but you don't have to kiss me back. Yeah, that scene like put me off for it, like it forty seemed, minutes. In like, light, this is, is really creepy. Yeah. In light of things that are going on today, it does seem very rapey. Well, yeah. in, light, in light of things that were going on back then, but now we know. Right, oh, sure. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. That scene, you know. And again, because I again like just like The Godfather, Rocky is not a movie I've can remember just sitting down and blowing through on AMC with all the commercial breaks. I've watched pieces of it. I mean, I've seen most of the movies, but again, haphazardly all over the place. And I don't remember ever seeing that scene before. And so when we got that point, I'm like, whoa, what? And it kind of started that whole date scene with Polly coming to get Adrian with Rocky. Uh, how they essentially just force her to go on this date she doesn't really want to get yeah. to. And I kind of look at the angles of like, oh, they're trying to force her to get out of this bubble, but that's like still really awkward because yeah. you shouldn't have to force someone to do something. And it's it's kind of a I, I think there's there's two things there. Uh, one, yeah, it kind of used to be a lot more acceptable that if if there was like any man in your life as a woman, they would just be able to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And the other one is 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 a matter of I think it's a matter of direction. I think that uh, Adrian is supposed to have somewhat obvious feelings for Rocky, and there right. are times when it comes out. But during those scenes, it just becomes super like she's too good at playing standoffish, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. some of the tension is supposed to come from the fact that she's nervous around him. Well, and she and even not from the fact or, or you know from the fact that she's nervous around him because she likes him not because right. she's nervous about this big scary guy. Well, and I think there's also this this thing where she comes out and says that she goes my mom said I didn't have much of a body so I have to use my brain. So right. from an early age she's been very put down upon and, and right. told right. that she's been that she's a nobody. Yep. Right. Paulie does not do anything to help that situation where he constantly berates her, probably mm-hmm. beats her. Uh, you know, prior to <laughs> us meeting her in this in this piece, yeah. because he's such a violent drunk. Um, and so she is shy, but I think she's comes off very awkward because I think she's trying to come to grips with somebody actually likes me for me. Right, right. Not because right. somebody, you know, yeah. it's not Paulie forcing Rocky on me. He likes me for yeah, me, right. and I think and, she's trying to come to grips with and that. And that's something that I think comes to light later when it becomes Throughout very clear that yeah. she is super into mm-hmm. Rocky. Like, oh, yeah. once I mean, she comes out of that, once it's they, fine. Once they spend their romantic time together, what's right. the next thing you see her? She's not wearing mousy clothes anymore. Right. She's not yeah. wearing her glasses anymore. She's all over him. Yeah. Like, yes. she she is, like, yeah. constantly, like, perched on him, hugging him, trying, like, Trying to get into his pants when he's like, "No, yeah. babe, I need to train." <laughs> like it's no fooling around when I'm training. Afterwards, in retrospect, it becomes clear that right. that's what was happening. But at the moment that that yes. scene is unfolding, oh, yeah, I think it's horrible. super yeah. creepy. Yeah, yeah. Really, I in my mind, you cut that scene out, and it, it plays out exactly how they want it to. Mm-hmm. But with that, it's yeah. like, oh, this is I, what you have I to do it's... to get the girl you want. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I think it's it's kind of there in the same vein as the scene where we see Rocky going to break the guy's thumbs. Because that sequence where Rocky first catches the guy and he's trying to drive away on his forklift and he chases him down and slams him against the wall. 
and then he's like, okay, I won't break your thumbs this time. Right. That that whole scene I ca- is kind of the same thing. Yeah. We're supposed to look at him, and everybody sees him as this big, overbearing brute, but he's trying mm. not to be that. He's not really what he seems to be, so mm-hmm. it is still a creepy but, scene. But going back but into taken that. in that context. And and through the time period in which it is, how many times do we see the the shot of the guys like, oh, man, it's getting hot in here. And he takes it off. And he's this big beefcake and he's flexing <laughs> his muscles. I mean, we see Bluto do that with olive oil yeah. in the old cartoons <laughs> where he's flexing his muscles and she's like, oh, all Twitter pated. And and we see kind of that happening with Adrian yeah. when he takes off his sweater and shirt and he's there and he's really ripped. Sure. Oh, geez, and she's yeah. just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do in this situation. This man has taken off half of his mm-hmm, half mm-hmm. of his clothes. Um. Yeah, but so, yeah, so there are moments that are very comedic, but I think this is, I've always thought of this as a romantic movie, not a sports movie, which is what it's, what it's billed as, as a a sports movie. Right, right, right. I mean, it it kind of offhandedly defines the sports movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been, uh, you know, Matthew pointed out Karate Kid is the same movie, you know, the Mighty Ducks is the same movie. Well, I mean, you look at the natural, it's kind of the same thing. Sure. One major exception in this. Rocky did not win that fight. No, he didn't. But, Rocky and that's, lost the fight and that's, at the end. But he, yeah, but he got really he matter. basically he got there with his tenacity. But it's it's the thing, you know. In the Mighty sure. Ducks, they win their little right. copy thing, sure. right? And and Ralph, you know, kicks the guy in the face and does the illegal face kick and and wins the trophy. All of all of these movies are taking that and playing it straight. This takes that final thing as. No, he didn't win his fight. He won what was more important. He won his respect, and he won Adrian. Yes, so those, that's what the whole this point of the film movie is. A is. lot more complicated than some of the stuff that's made trying to ape its themes and ape its its uh, tropes, for lack. But of it it doesn't come off at the end like oh the big team or the underdog didn't win. It seems oh there's so much fanfare happening. Even the music exactly. building is like this dude won. There is when, no question yeah. he won. When you talk about the direction of this movie, like the, the mm-hmm. directing of this mm-hmm. movie, um, and when you talk about sound design and all that stuff, they make it so that if you blink your ears, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> if you if yeah. you stop paying attention, if you get caught up in anything for a second, you miss that Rocky actually lost yeah, the yeah, fight. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's, it's it's a great moment because it's kind of relevant. It's important. You know, you kind of want to know who won. But and because of the nature of boxing, yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of have to wait to to figure out who won. But the movie just in such a perfectly organic way tells you, shows you mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there's yep. there's two real important parts about that. At the very first fight he has at the beginning of the movie, as he's walking off and he's bumming a cigarette, uh, one of the people in the crowd says, "You're a bum. You're a bum, mm-hmm. bum, yeah. bum," and just hammers it into his head. That he's a bum, he's a nobody, nothing. At the end of the movie, you hear the crowd yelling Rocky, 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 or part of the crowd yelling Rocky, Mm -hmm. Rocky, Rocky. And then there is a very definite, as you're saying, tonal, aural uh, experience that goes on where even though they're calling out this split decision on two votes for uh, Apollo Creed and one for for Rocky, it's way muted down to where you really Mm -hmm. have to pay attention because at this point – he knows that he's won. He's as you said, he's won yeah. the respect and he's won the girl, which is what this whole movie is about. Him no longer being a bum, right. And actually 
earning right. respect. Well, the the idea of what is winning with this fight changes when he's restless and goes to the ring and sees they painted his trunks wrong, and the guy's like, "What mm-hmm. does it matter?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. If yeah. no one really cares, no one expects me to win." And he goes back home and says, "All I want to do is go the distance. Yep. That's yeah. all he wants to do. Yeah. He doesn't really care if he wins. He doesn't think he should win. Right? He just wants to prove that. Right? He wants, to, and, he wants to fly now. He wants to try now. Yeah. yeah. And and he wants to show that it matters. Like yeah. that that he was yeah. there and he made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And and the story tells that, that scene is splendidly. Yeah, that scene is another one where they had to scramble because apparently the painting was painted wrong. <laughs> And they actually they wrote that scene to explain oh, nice. why the painting that's of Rocky amazing. had the trunks wrong, which yeah. is weird because there, there's they a ever couple of those it. in there. Besides that, like one. No, point. and that's the thing. They showed it, and they showed him looking at it. And it was a big deal there, where it's like this is the moment where he realizes that Apollo is not taking him seriously. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Apollo is taking him as a joke. Sylvester Stallone, even back in the seventies, knowing that someday there would be film nerds. I mean, they're probably, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're were at yeah, the time yeah, already, sure. but like some way, someday there's going to be an internet and I don't want this to end up in a blooper page <laughs> or in a continuity. This, the same page. thing with his robe. The thing where he's like, is it too big for me? What is it? Is it too baggy? That's another thing. They made the robe. They didn't have a chance to alter it. Nice. So they put in the dialogue saying, is this robe too big? Which really, you know, it, it underlines this guy's an underdog. Yeah. He, they couldn't even get his robe right. Also, That's how also, little yeah, they care also about the, this. But he yeah. also doesn't care. The character Rocky doesn't yeah, really doesn't care, care about that stuff. It's like, hey, what's this meatpacking sign on the back? He said, yeah, yeah. I told Paulie he could sell it for whatever he want. You know, and yep. he just doesn't at this point, at that point in the film, when he, when the promoter says it doesn't really matter and Rocky goes home and is all upset and he says, all I want to do is go the distance from that point. He doesn't give a crap about anything else. He doesn't care how much Paulie made off the the selling mm-hmm. of the piece. He doesn't care if the 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 robe is baggy. He doesn't care if the, the he doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about the decision. He just wants to know that he went toe to toe with the champ and did it. And he, mm. you know, he made some money. He made he is able to take Adrian out of this conditions that they're in in Philadelphia and give them something better because one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Nineteen seventy-five yeah. dollars is a lot. Yeah, I mean, that is that's like eleven zillion dollars yeah. today. He buys a sweet little allowing for inflation. He bought all that money. Yeah, he, he bought the moon. <laughs> he bought the moon. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is the minute that Rocky's on television and they announce the money, how much money he's going to get. Man, all of his friends just come out of the woodwork. Uh, sure. No, you know, yeah. You can Mickey. see Polly. You can see Polly just licking his lips and yeah. wiping his his sweaty, greasy wife beater, and it's just oh. like, hey, you need a, uh, you need somebody to manage you, and 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 uh, then Mickey comes in and and yeah. does his thing. The there's a lot of stuff in this movie where it's like, again, this is that this is like the real prototype for that sports movie, right? And and yeah. like all of those movies that are prototypes. It's way better than everything that came out after it because they weren't trying to <laughs> mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. So the character right. of Polly in a, in the Mighty Ducks right. would have turned out to be like super unscrupulous and then learns his lesson or has a change of heart. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry right. that I ever doubted you, Rocky. But no, he's just kind of friends and like they fight yeah. And then they're fine. And then they're like, like fight again. <laughs> and they're like mad at each other. And then they're like, okay, okay. Yeah. You can punch them. Then they're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they're fine. Mm-hmm. Like the other, the other thing that is just like amazing. So amazing to me as I was watching it, I was watching this movie in disbelief. Cause again, I didn't catch these things the first time. His mob guy 
his like the guy yeah, yeah. that he's he like for. breaking legs for shows up to support him like he asked him he's like hey hey it would mean a lot to me if you came to see it he's like yeah 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 i'll go see it because he's probably got money on it sure yeah totally and i kept waiting for the but again for the oh the uh, i'm giving you this 500 dollars plus interest at at Uh no at no point does does anybody like ask rocky to take a fall and he decides Mm -hmm. not to at no point does anyone like and at no point does he say no I'm not going to be a leg breaker anymore. He's like, no, I got to, re- like, he's actually kind of friends with this mob guy. Yeah. Or yeah. he's trying yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he kind yeah. of weirdly looks up to him and he wants him there. But isn't there also that bit of local boy makes good where, you know, suddenly oh, yeah. he's on television. Mm-hmm. People sure, know sure. that he's one of the good Philly boys. He's one of us and he's going to fight. So now people are cheering him on in the yeah. streets, throwing him an apple. You've got uh, the, the totally mobster random, guy giving him $500 and saying, hey, this is for your training. You've got, uh, uh, you know, the news reporter coming down to show how he's punching the meat, which is yep. a great iconic scene. Yeah. And um, and people are just interested in this local story about somebody who's going to ch- take on the world champion. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and again, champion another, of just, the world. Just another great scene, which I totally did not remember being there, is like the guy who's watching TV and he's like, hey, Apollo, oh, you should come yeah. look at this. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. it's like, all of a sudden it's like, wow. Because that's, again, the movie is really subtle. Like mm-hmm. at no point, I don't know that at any point anybody says, you know, Rocky's actually pretty good. He could go yeah. the distance. Yeah, yeah. No, one like, no one ever the says promoter, it. The promoter, the the manager Mickey of does. yeah yeah well not mickey but the manager of apollo creed recognizes it too that's he, why he, he points he, it out well and he, he does, but that's tell. what i'm saying yeah. is no one verbalizes it but the movie shows you yeah, yeah, yeah. the moment that apollo's cap shows concern mm-hmm. is you're like oh wait yeah. rocky's in this yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that's a great Something's scene because they show him on the news and he's just punching that meat and they just show him with his hands and he's covered in blood yeah and it's so cool <laughs> it's pretty intense i mean when he does that i mean again uh, i don't know how many uh, uh, I got to see this movie when it came out. Uh, I don't know how many people want to mimic that whole punching the meat uh, scene after don't do that it. movie. Yeah, you don't want to do yeah, that. Don't don't do it. You'll mess yourself up. Seriously. Cows are, cows are, fingers are yeah. permanently, permanently misshapen from it. Again, that, that little, that little trick that he does with his pinky, that, that is literally him yeah. having yeah. a dislocated pinky. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. him having. And the thing that's interesting to me about specifically Mickey is I remember Rocky two and Rocky three better than this movie. And in that Mickey is kind of a sweet old man with a heart of gold. Sure, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a, a mouthy old kind of old angry man. man. Yeah. But in this, he's kind of a jerk. Everybody is a jerk. Until money, until money comes involved and people recognize yep. Adrian is fine. Yes. Everyone else yeah. is horrible. Even her but, boss is in the movie for like 10 oh, yeah, seconds. Yeah. She's <laughs> horrible. Like, she's like, even, go clean out the crappy even cat pens, Adrian. They made a Which, horrible even mess. Even that moment where Mickey is like, you know why I treat you the way I treat you? Because you could have been something. That doesn't come across as him turning around and saying, you know, Rocky, you could still be something. That's Mickey basically, you know, pr- pronouncing it over. You could have been something, but you're a bum and that's all you are. I, I, that to me is such a weird scene, but it's so great as, you know, that little moment of, of manipulation. Yeah. Almost. And, and, and yeah, almost. And and again, it's like it's so weirdly realistic because when you have a fight with someone a lot of mm-hmm. the time, 
you know, especially with your friends or especially when dudes have fights with other dudes, mm -hmm. there's very rarely a moment when you say, hey, you know, I'm sorry about what I said. What I really meant was this or blah, blah, blah. There's just kind of like you just kind of get back into it. Yeah. And hey. then that's that. Hey, like, Rocky, I'm I, sorry. Like at no point does Rocky say, okay, you can actually train me. Right. He just shows up at the gym and the guy starts training well, him. Well, yeah. you have that shot where you don't yeah. know what's being said when he <laughs> yeah. chases him down the street yeah, yeah. and they yeah, shake yeah. hands and is like, hey, is everything okay? Right, you right, you right. can imagine what's being said. Right. Yeah, but it's never, like nothing's ever explicitly said in yeah. this movie. There's just so much of it can that you, is just like, man. In the 70s, mm -hmm. could you do that? Could you have two men having a moment together? Because in this movie, yeah. we don't see it, but in... I forget which one it is, two or three, where Apollo Creed has to come. Yeah, with Mr. T, the Mr. T fight. Mm -hmm. So it's in three yeah. where Apollo Creed has to come to Rocky and they have to – Apollo has to bring Rocky back and they have to work together and, and do stuff. That's a that's a bro moment. Yeah, right. right. And that's like 80 Because Clubber Lang four. kills Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, – I think – you can. I mean, we saw stuff like that in like in The Great Escape, for example. True. Where yeah. he's like, I'm super scared of being inside this mm -hmm. thing. And like they kind of talk him down and they're mm -hmm. like total bros about it, you mm -hmm. know, or like you got you have the guys talking across the cells. It's not necessarily exactly like, you know what? You matter to me, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we have seen stuff like that. <laughs> okay. And I think it's rare, but I think it has actually gotten more rare. Yes. Um. Like just kind of guys talking to each other mm -hmm. has become more rare as partially because of guys like of characters like Rocky, this sure. archetype, this stereotype of mm -hmm. what a manly man should be mm -hmm. gets kind of uh, mutated into what we see today. Yeah. Right. And this is still part of that. You know, we, we, we've referenced it before. We referenced it during Bonnie and Clyde. We referenced it during American Graffiti. This is still that weird the american new wave thing i think is is what steven had called it previously where you made these movies because you had a specific story to tell you didn't necessarily have you know story beats and tropes that you had to hit because the focus group said it you could have a moment like at the end of apocalypse now where everything just kind of goes right out the window and you hate everybody mm -hmm. on screen and again, and again, this movie undermines a lot of the cliches that we attribute to it Except I mean, it, now, it undermines that, that Obi-Wan mentor guy. It undermines the ending. It undermines a lot of this stuff. Question the first, Zach. Yeah. Compare this to On the Waterfront. Um, Man, oh. it's been a long time since we watched On the Waterfront. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of similar ideas of uh, a main character who is kind of a bum who kind is of is a mob enforcer yeah, kind of fell out with bot who with fighting wants to date the girl but doesn't know how to get with her uh-huh who Ooh. ultimately has to come to a decision in a big fight on yeah, what he's gonna true. do yeah 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 they have a big fight at the end and they have interesting camera Dude. techniques yes they do yeah, yeah. can i ask question the second because i think i know question the second sure go ahead no my question the second is something totally different <laughs> oh, okay I thought Stephen's question the second, Zach, was going to be, contrast this to Raging Bull. Yeah, you could do that, too. We've, this is now our third boxing movie. Yeah, this right? one's boxing in color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there was that part of Raging Bull in color. And let's put a pin on that for later. There's, 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 there's something that I've been meaning to talk about about these movies in general, but that's, that's kind of a discussion for later. No, but go yes, ahead. Jump in now. I, 
Because we're going to go take a so, sponsor so, reading so here. These, in just a second, so these so. movies mm-hmm. are... These three movies in particular? No, all of these movies. Okay. Where does the list come from? A book. Right. Yeah. So... And of course, National Registry. Right. Yeah. Right. So somebody, like people get together and vote mm-hmm. on what movies should go into the National Registry, mm-hmm. right? Who's voting for these movies? I don't movies? know who votes for these. I'm going to guess it's old white guys. It might be. Oh, because... <laughs> Because you see so many Scorsese movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, True. And that's the thing is, uh, you know, and we are kind of going off this list and kind of going off the National Registry. And you do see a surprising number of boxing movies, mm-hmm. a surprising uh, number of uh, against all odds, white dude changes everything, which to be fair, there's a trillion movies that are that way. Mm-hmm. But... Um, a, a little behind the scenes thing. Uh, after we did the thing, um, I I was talking to Steven and I was like, uh, so in the thing, there are literally no women. Right. There are literally zero women. Right. Not even in the background. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of guys. And I was mm-hmm. like, do we have a movie? Do we have a movie that had on the list that has a central female uh, kind of thing? And the best we could do on the list well, was Bonnie of and the Clyde. Re- of the remaining yeah, of the, the remaining, remaining ones. ones. Yeah, was yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Wait, I, um, yeah. Boogie Boogie Nights. I at the time I made this list, I don't think Boogie Nights had come out yet. Boogie Nights has some strong female characters in it. Well, that Thelma and Louise has some strong Thelma female Louise characters has some in it. In I mean, there's too. there's there's those movies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, this list of movies again, uh, uh, great for themes, great for cinematography. But by no means definitive oh, in, no, no, in no, no, kind no, of no. like that, no, no, no. that language No, this is actually, the list that, that I've come up with is basically going down and picking out iconic movies that right. people should be very, very familiar mm-hmm. with right. um, out of a list of 500 movies. Sure. So sure. there's a list of 500 movies that uh, this book, and I think it was a film editing book, was like, here's 500 movies you should go and, and watch if you haven't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way I can ever suggest to my students to read 500. But I can narrow this list down to, I think this list is only like 75. Mm-hmm. And so I just went, okay, let's go through and let's pick some yeah. iconic movies that people should know just from a frame, a single frame, sure. should be able to sum up that entire movie with just a single yeah. frame. And and, and especially so it's not it's couple. not meant to be, well, Steven's a white guy, and oh, so he no. picked only white guy movies. Well, no, but that's also kind of true. I mean, you know. It's well, that's unintended racism. Sure, though. I mean it's and it's, it's it's not even racism. It's just kind of that that inertia, you know. Right, I mean, right. Because you know you are that a white guy. Bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah I mean, it's it not yeah. it's uh, it's not meant to be that, and that's that's why I'm clearing that up. Is that um, we are not saying that these movies that we've done on Zach on film are the the be all and end all. No, but they no. are they are right. definitive movies right. that have made some kind of an impact in. Film theory, right? Film history, film discourse, mm-hmm. and movie making, right? That if Zach hasn't seen, he's putting himself at a disservice. Sure, and, sure. and I think it's in, kind of important to look at. Uh, I I don't know if we've really watched any movies that were made outside of America. If we've had, it's been yeah, we watched maybe Seven a, Samurai. No, we didn't. Oh, we haven't watched that in this. No, we watched the Magnificent. We, Seven. Yeah, we did Magnificent. Seven. Oh, I thought we watched the Samurai of, at one point. And and so what I'm what I'm getting at is like the right. American cinema is a huge force. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we track box office numbers worldwide, mm-hmm. and a lot of big movies are made in America. But we've referenced like French New Wave films mm-hmm. and a lot of right. other films that right. are coming out from all across the world, 
And so, but these are recognizable anywhere. A lot right. of French New Wave films, a lot of other stuff that are made by great people across the world aren't as recognizable uh, by the general public in large. And so, like, and we've referenced this a couple of times is these are really good jumping off points to go watch other films. Like, we right, listed like right. five other films we should go watch yeah, the last for the time. Yeah, movies, yeah. And, and so, yeah, so these are really important films that some steal from creators of different works of cross the seas that are just sure, they see sure. films and art houses and they apply mm-hmm. stuff to their films so sorry for that derailed oh, no no that's no that's fine i mean that's good because no, that was a conversation a that we had again that was a conversation rodrigo and i had several several yeah. weeks ago and it's not that there's any kind of a no, no. uh maliciousness in, right, in right. this list that's not no. that that's not the point and I hope that people are not thinking, well, Steven's just a... No, that's not the point. This is me well, not, trying to narrow down a list of 500 movies to 75 iconic movies mm-hmm. that people should have should have seen. Yeah, and it, it, and I now that I'm kind of more and I look at more film globally recently, it's the kind of difference of looking at the Oscars and looking at the Cannes Film Festival that's just wrapped up. It's mm-hmm. like If you see films that come out of there or... Even the American films that play over there are generally cult classics over here, like Pulp Fiction won the Palme d'Or over there, mm-hmm. and very few film American films ever win like the second highest honor you can get in a movie in a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all it's movies coming in from all over the world over there, and so I mean, it's just to I mean, we are American people that look at a lot of American films because that's all that really plays in America is American films. And so, which, you know, and, and then that part of it's somewhat sad and I don't know what the release of Rocky was. It was a wide release movie eventually, mm-hmm. but even star Wars, when it first came out, uh, the movie theaters were like, we're going to play those on East coast, West coast only. And there's no, way. I mean, I think it was open in 20 theaters the first weekend, 14 theaters in the first weekend. And that's all that they were intending on doing. And so a lot of times when we look at, at movies like these, the reason why they become, phenomena is because they have had some kind of an impact in our social awareness of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They've become part of our uh, tradition and whether it's, it's whether it's citizen Kane and saying, well, this is the first time that we've ever seen ceilings in a movie. And why was Orson Welles so bent on making um, Kane larger than life in his framing. Well, that, that has a big impact on how movies like uh, high noon, uh, come out. Sure. Um, and when you watch the Simpsons and, and this is the thing that really torqued me off and got me to do this list years and years ago. And, and, you know, I hand it out every year. Um, is that people would watch the Simpsons and it was these, uh, the episode of Homer in space mm-hmm. where it was nothing but 30 minutes of, Reference after reference after reference of every space movie. Yep. And I was going into my class talking about how awesome this was and how this is the first time that we see 3D animation tuned tuned up to look like 2D animation. And they had no idea what 2001 A Space Odyssey right, was. They right. don't understand that potato chip docking sequence is the docking sequence from 2001. Right. They don't get the Planet of the Apes reference. They don't get any of this stuff. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You're sitting there laughing at – homer's hysterical antics and yet you don't know where it comes from you're laughing at half the thing yeah and it, it's and it happened it happened again about 10 years uh, 10 years later um maybe not even 10 years well yeah definitely 10 years later from the point where i first started introducing this list to my class so this is about a 20 year old list um 
I'm sitting, I'm walking through this, the student lounge newsroom and they're watching a bit from uh, Family Guy, one of the cutaways where they cut to Orson Welles just screaming, peas! Uh, and some people laugh at that and they just, they kept playing it again and again and again and again. And I just sat there for a minute and I was just like, you guys know who that is? And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you know what that's referencing? No. I was like, you guys are missing out on your cultural history of yeah. who this is. Orson Welles, number one. Mm-hmm point in his life where he was at his lowest and selling himself out right. for commercials, which is what the joke is. And he's mm-hmm. drunk off his ass in the actual commercial. And they're just riffing on that. And they're just like, Bleh. and that's why I think it's important that regardless of what movies are on this list, you have to, you have to see these things. You have to sit and you have to watch a movie like Rocky. Cause otherwise you don't understand why the boxing movie is as popular and as important as it is or any sports movie or any romance movie or, or really any movie on this list, why it's important in our culture, because we reflect on that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, it's, it's from our mirror from, so Rodrigo comes at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. than, than Zach who comes at it from a different perspective than my wife. Um, but I mean, if you're watching the Simpsons and you're just laughing and you don't get the joke, then you're missing out. And and that's kind of what it boils down to. You don't get these jokes in The Simpsons. And I had to go through, <laughs> literally in Homer in Space, we turned a 28-minute show into a two-hour discussion where I was basically like, here's Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes was this. Here's a scene from the original Planet of the Apes that Homer right. is mocking. <laughs> Here is the scene from 2001. And we just did that through the entire, and this is like 1994. Right. 95, somewhere around there. Right. So many more space movies to spoof since then. Yes. We have so many more Simpsons episodes. I I think that's also the the strength of this movie is that it doesn't try to surprise us with plot points. No, it doesn't. Mm -mm. This is, I mean, this, this movie is, you know, know, we've talked about that ending being kind of a subversion, but this really is that underdog underdog comes through and he wins the love of the girl. Now this is important. He doesn't win the girl. That's the thing. She is not his reward. She chooses him after her brother destroys the house with a baseball bat. She chooses to say, do you want a roommate to him? Mm -hmm. That, to me, that's amazing. If Which, you go through again, another another great example of how obviously this movie can't follow the formula right. because it's writing it as it goes. Right, right, right. But it's, yeah, it's creating that formula. But but but, but as yeah, people, I mean, as people have in yeah in other movies, at the end you get the girl. In this one, he like the girl gets him halfway right. through, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they're a team. Mm-hmm. Like there's no getting the girl. Mm-hmm. Jr. writes right. in and he says uh, Rocky Balboa is at heart a very good, inarticulate, uneducated club boxer whose side job is muscle for the local mobster. He trains at a local gym where a local trainer sees in Rocky a man who wasted his talent as a potential boxer. When I think of this movie and what it eventually became, I think of Hollywood Shuffles, There's a Bat in the House, where the star asks, how do you know if a, uh, if you have a good movie script? Answer, sequels. Does your character die? If not, you have a good script. And basically for him, this movie is about redemption, given the opportunity. Yeah. And that's what Rocky does. Yeah. Let's give a shout out to our associate producers for this episode of Zach on Film. They are Andrew Hayes, Daniel Cotter, James Rushall, Melanie Naselrod, Christopher Chrissy, JamesB.com, David Reeves, Dazzler Coaching, Damian Allmark, Brian Fenouf, Andrew Lewis, William Miller, Roger Gudmundson, 
Tris Taylor <laughs> and Michelle Retner. Thank you one and all for supporting Zach on Film and Major Spoilers at Large so we can put out more content for you each and every week. So story aside, theme aside, there's another big important thing that came out of this movie. Absolutely. Go for it, Zach. Uh, so right before Rocky was shot, a man named Garrett Brown started uh, doing some ex- experimenting with camera shots. He had his own production company in Philadelphia. He really loved tracking shots on his dollies, but he only had a couple of feet of pipe so he could go uh, get a horizontal for 10 feet, could turn left, and then go more 10 feet, and that was all he could do. So he wanted to get a more uh, free-flowing shot throughout his film. So he started uh, doing some inventing and eventually came up with the Steadicam. And uh, he did some test reels of it, took it out and shopped it around Hollywood, and they got bought up by the first studio he showed it to, shot one movie, which I forget what it's called, and then he shot Rocky because the director saw uh, him running up the museum steps as he chased his girlfriend in his little sizzle reel with a steady cam, and they ran up the steps and ran back down, and he saw this, and he's like, how'd you do it, and where are those steps, because I need this in my movie. And so then he, he had a steady cam rig, and then they incorporated it throughout Rocky. It's everywhere in this movie, and it's one of the first ones that did uh, end up winning Oscar for cinematography on this film, uh, all because of him. It, and uh, if you if you start doing some Googling uh, on YouTube, if you just type in uh, uh, like Garrett Brown Steadicam, it'll come up with a clip, and it's a part of the Rocky's 30th anniversary collector DVD or something. You can see footage of him running around in a field with this old Steadicam, his first one. He's got his weird little, like, Google Glass thing over his eye. He had a fiber optic cable run from the camera up to this, like, weird headset so he could see where he was running, see what his shot was, and then uh, just follow wherever. And, I mean, it's, he talks about certain shots, like going through the meat locker, mm-hmm. weaving in between the meats, uh, the ice rink, following through the ice rink, uh, through the city as Rocky's running. That mm-hmm. shot when he's running through all the things, and the guy throws him an apple, which mm-hmm. was totally random. Uh, it's all across this town. He just talks about uh, how we got to shoot there. And then he ended up shooting. Uh, he worked with Kubrick on um, The Shining. Yeah, The Shining in that three minute long shot of the kid running his strike. I still haven't watched the movie, but I have it. But uh, I watched that shot and it was amazing. The Shining. The Shining. Shining. Simpsons, Shining. Simpsons reference. Yeah, so Steadicam. That was probably the main thing that I wanted to get out of yeah. in this movie was yeah. here is a whole new film technique that today people are still trying to find new ways of doing a moving shot without laying pipe to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got probably three different steady cams in this house uh, that I've can had. Can you find them? I, mm-hmm. I can find two of them right now because they're going to pile out there <laughs> in the other room. Can I have The other one. one no, you may not, oh, Zach. Darn it. Uh, the other one is one that I built is basically a variation. Sam Raimi did a variation of this where uh, he slapped a camera on a two by four for evil dead. You know, the shots where the, the camera's moving along the ground and it's zipping up over cars and, mm-hmm. and around uh, things. They just basically put uh, the camera on uh, ends of a two by four and two guys picked up each end and they just ran with it and got that shot of the very smooth flowing shot. And I've got one similar to that where I have a basically a one by four with two handles on the end, about mm-hmm. a two and a half foot piece with the camera in the middle and the the, the way, reason why it's so smooth is the wider that base gets, the steadier the shot or the smoother mm-hmm. the shot becomes, um, which is kind of the opposite of what you're told when you're shooting is hold your arms in tight to your body yeah. Oh, yeah. to keep everything steady. So um, 
but yeah, I've, I built a little one of those and I've got a whole book on, on rigs and people have been trying to do this ever since oh, sure. Rocky mm-hmm. saying, how can we make this a super smooth shot? Uh, yep. I'm about to print out a little, uh, stabilizer for my GoPro. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll let you do the, that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's. Well, uh, wow. for people who are members, Major Spoilers VIP members at members.majorspoilers.com, I actually have a little behind-the-scenes video of our Critical Hit podcast setup, and I'm simply holding a GoPro out at arm's length mm-hmm. and walking through the house and showing people this stuff, and, and I showed it to a bunch of people, and they were just like, wow, that's a smooth shot. It's just like yeah, that's what essentially a Steadicam does. Yeah, I, and, and and we've kind of seen Steadicam shots evolve now, especially with the how cameras are getting so compact and where they're attaching things to like a camera. I mean, there's a shot in Kevin Smith's Red State where one of the, the characters is running through a field with a gun mm-hmm. and the camera's attached to the gun and it's pointed mm-hmm. back to him and he's kind of in frame and everything else has been around him, which is, we've seen just freaking all over the place in the last five years and of a, film. And another variation of that is in the movie Pi where they take that camera and they attach it to the, the frame of the person and they turn yep, that camera yep, around yep. so that mm-hmm. the person stays in frame, but the whole right. world is spinning out of right, control right. around them. Um, nominated for, I think, 11 Academy Awards. Best Actor, Best Director, or Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting best supporting Actor in Burgess Meredith, Best Supporting Actor in Burt Young, who played Polly, Best Film Editing, Best Music, and Best Sound Mixing. One, three, Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing. So... Um, that had to be quite a year for a young Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Imagine being basically a nobody who played well, a thug on a bus in Bananas holding up Woody Allen or a subway and then turning around and being nominated for Best Actor and, and, for, for and, Rocky. And to a large degree, that's why, you know, we see him do just movies that are complete duds. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> movies that are just not good at all. He's in them. and Which and is stuff. so weird. And then, but, but it doesn't matter. Like Rocky like shot him so hard into the stratosphere that he can do a thousand duds and he, A, he's still going to be rich mm-hmm. and B, he's still going to be fine mm-hmm. and people will still go see his movies. Um, it, it's, he's had plenty of good movies. Well, I, too. Yeah. I oh, mean, sure. he has, but it's just yeah. amazing that, that people forget that Sylvester Stallone wrote this movie. Yeah, yeah. that's the craziest thing. He did. And uh, people, I that think, is. And I think and it's also an, a, a, a tribute to his acting because uh, you look at Rocky and you instantly think, oh, Sylvester Stallone is this big, dumb East Coast yeah. brute. Quote, unquote, that's why they cast right. him. Right, right. Know, but, right. But no. Right. But yeah, he's like, smart. Super smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, like, probably, actually, probably my favorite shot in this movie is when he's, like, in the back of the car and he pulls out those, like, giant, that terrible glasses girl. and, like, puts <laughs> them on. He's like, meh, like, yes, writing down the, notes. Yeah. I was like, oh, the granny glasses. God, this, I, why don't I remember any of the good parts <laughs> of this movie? Well, that's, like, <laughs> the greatest character bit in this film. It was like, Rocky is so serious about trying to do what this mob guy wants and breaking <laughs> so legs. Like, he needs to get the name <laughs> spelling right for some reason. Like, he's gonna, like, spell the guy's name to him to make sure that's who he is. He wants yeah. He yeah. just wants to thorough. be taken yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. With the weirdest glasses and ever. I still love the moment where he comes home and he's all beat up and he's talking to his turtles and he's like, if you guys could sing and dance, I wouldn't have to do this crap. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's such a telling moment. And it's a really subtle chunk of acting from a character that you don't. Mm-hmm. From an actor that we don't think of as being a really subtle guy, yeah. Well, you know, then, when you when you say subtle underplayed moments, you don't immediately think Sylvester Stallone. There's yeah. a lot, and but there's this a lot full of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of subtlety in in Rocky. Sometimes things are too subtle. I think again, 
for example, we were supposed to be able to tell that uh, Adrian was into Rocky, sure. right? And we couldn't right. up until like until afterwards, and then we're like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> I mean, up until that point, did you think she maybe had some mental problems? I no, no. I didn't because the way that she no. commu- like she was just shy, and then like the way that she communicated with them, I was like, oh, "Okay, okay, so she's just like she's just really standoffish." standoffish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the way yeah, that, like, was... the way she talks to Polly, and the way that her boss talks to her, mm-hmm. it it made me yeah. realize, like, it 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 cleared away any issues that I had. That well, like, yeah, maybe she's she just has like a mental problem of some kind. Mm-hmm. There's there's a super flirty, subtle but super flirty undertone to their first scene together, where he comes well, into the pet shop and is asking for yeah. two jokes a day, yeah. one in the morning, one in that, the night. You never and the, my the point where he goes over to visit the dog and she looks down at him with that face and you're just like, oh, yeah, she's into him. She doesn't necessarily know it for sure, but she's into him yeah. from the first point we see her mm. in this film. So a little bit of history. You're talking about where this uh, who makes up the list. The American Inf- Film Institute was founded in 1965 by a presidential mandate by Lyndon B. Johnson to establish a national arts organization to preserve the legacy of American film heritage, educate the next generation of filmmakers, and honor the artists for their work. Two years later, in 1967, uh, AFI was established, supported by the National Endowment of the Arts, the Motion Picture Association of America, and the Ford Foundation. Uh, The original 22-member board of trustees included Chair Gregory Peck, Vice Chair Sidney Poitier, as well as Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Arthur Schlesinger Jr., Jack Valente, and other representatives from the arts and academia. The Institute established a training program for filmmakers known as the Center for Advanced Film Studies, also created in the early years, were a repertory film exhibition program at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and the AFA Catalog of Feature Films, which is where we draw these right, movies right. from. The Institute moved to its current eight-acre Hollywood campus in 1981. Film training program to, grew into the AFI Conservatory and accredited graduate school. AFI moved its presentation of first-run uh, auteur films from the Kennedy Center to the historic 1938 Art Deco AFI Silver Theater and Cultural Center, which now hosts two major film festivals, AFI Fest and AFI Docs, making AFI the largest nonprofit film exhi- uh, exhibitor in the world. Hmm. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. Um, so that's the history. You can find that on uh, Wikipedia. That's where I read that from. Uh, you can also learn about the AFI Conservatory and some of the alumni that come out of that and the AFI 100 film series and and um, the national list of uh, historical preservation of films. So I don't it know is. if that helped, if that clears anything up for you. Sure, but sure. I mean, you look yeah. at that list. Uh, yeah, most of them are white guys. All, yeah. all of them are male. They're the ones that I read off. Although yeah. if you look mm-hmm. at some of the people that have come out of the conservator, uh, conserv- uh, conservatory, uh, you see things like Heidi Levitt, who did The Artist. Uh, David Lynch, Terrence Malick, Wally sure, Fister, sure. yeah, and, 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 and always the farther back in time you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. the more white dudes oh, you're going to sure. see, right, 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 almost right. certainly, right, um, and the more men specifically, mm-hmm. and the more white people specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, you, I, I was surprised to hear the name Sidney Poitier. So mm-hmm. you know, Sidney Poitier, like a, a yeah, big he's a big deal. deal. I yeah, mean, sure. like the probably the big next big to, deal. next to Bill Cosby, he's probably the biggest deal in entertainment. Yeah, one, one could argue uh, Sammy Javis Jr. too. Uh, probably those would probably be your three biggest of the '60s. In the '60s, mm-hmm. yeah. Richard Pryor, maybe a little bit after that, but I mean, as far as sure, people that sure. earned in command, yeah, Pryor's right? more of a mid '70s. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and definitely a different culture as far as that. Very true. <laughs> Cindy Poitier and Richard Pryor, yeah, yeah. definite mm-hmm. different differences. Uh, Actually, no, they're best friends. They they grew up together. I'm, I'm sure they did, and um, in was, Buffalo, New York. Sidney Poitier they, they did some really good stuff that I thought was funny with uh, Bill Cosby and oh, yeah. the, the Uptime Saturday Night and that kind of stuff. I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah. 
Anything else we need to go over in this movie? Um, What'd you learn, Zach? Well, I mean, just looking back, it, it's interesting that I don't think anyone would think this is a really low-budget film until you like kind of understand like what like low budget like there's one scene that's like oh this is one it's not a digitally restored movie at all and uh oh yeah there's some bad looping going on in some of those spots yeah. and <laughs> there's uh, there's a scene when he's pulling that girl off from like the oh, back yeah, of guys yeah. and they're walking to the parking lot uh if you listen you can hear the whirl of the camera go as yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. shooting the film it's like oh so this is like low budget enough like they probably might have heard that like yeah we don't care like yeah. most people aren't going to no, notice it if a, they do it's it doesn't a matter. street nobody's yeah. going to know exactly sure. where I mean, yeah when you think about all the moving shots in that i mean it's you really have to stop and think yeah. about all the moving shots in that it's all mm-hmm. done with steady cam and they probably saved a crap ton of money because if they were trying to do those shots with um well they just with grips they wouldn't have been able to do it they it just wouldn't have hours upon hours to set up that I mean, track this is yeah, this is your this is your like 1960s kung fu movie oh, to yeah. a certain degree just like zoom zoom like it, it, oh, yeah. it, there's only I, one zoom have you ever but seen I, you guys have seen blow up yeah yeah, yeah. like blow up is like yeah. literally it's just like zooms like on mm-hmm. purpose zoom mm-hmm. zoom 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 because guess what just got invented guys <laughs> yeah, yeah. the zoom, zoom lens so yeah, yeah there's a lot of moving zoom. shots when you have the guy who invented yeah. the steadicam sure. the thing is though is like nowadays we're so used to moving mm-hmm. shots yeah. that they're not that first off it's not a soft putting as the zoom period because right. we're used to looking right, at right, things while right, moving. Right. And second, they've really, it's something that has really taken hold and hasn't really gone out of fashion the way that the zoom has. Sure. From the opening scenes, this yeah. is one thing I wanted to been say even over on the major spoilers podcast from the opening scenes, they're getting ready to do a daredevil TV series on Netflix, an original series from Marvel mm-hmm. studios. And I want it set in 1975 and I want it to look dirty and gritty oh like the gosh. streets of Philadelphia look yeah. here, but even 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, this takes place in Philadelphia, but those are some it's gross, dirty, gross streets. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. I want it to take place in the 70s. And I want it to be dirty and gross like what we saw in, mm-hmm. in Rocky. And if they did that, my mind would be blown. That'd be amazing. Mixed taxi oh, driver the stores with and the houses are dirty. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Polly, Polly's apartment. You just, I needed to take but a shower a, after but it's washing. A house though, that's the thing. It's not yeah. like an apartment. It's like a house. He's got a lawn and a, a fake yeah. lawn with fake flowers. And <laughs> do you ever also notice how they downplayed all the holidays in this? It's like Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, let's go out. Yeah. Well, uh, it's people, Christmas. Yeah. Christmas passes. And hey, yeah, you want well, a roommate? You know, the, well, Rocky even says that, and she was like, "It's Chris- Thanksgiving." He's like, "Well, it's Thursday to me." Yeah, yeah. So let's go. Yeah. Yep. That's see again. That's. That's kind of like that formula hasn't taken root yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. there are sectors of the population that don't really care about sure. Christmas, for example, as much as they care about Easter. Right. You know, or they yep. just don't care about either of those things like mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, rarely ever see day. those because there's so many um, family comedies that take place over Christmas. Right. There's so many uh, movies where bad things are happening, and it's Christmas. You know, like does right, right, actually right. does Die Hard is Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Die Hard yeah. takes place over Christmas. Yeah. You know, you, you just get that all the all time. Yeah, why? Why is Die Hard like? Oh, it's my favorite Christmas movie. When they barely really mention Christmas, you get three holidays. This flight takes place on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. You have New Christmas, Year's Day. New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. 
Christmas and then Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. And like, but no one really yeah. associates this movie. Because yeah, it's, those it's, those they, Plus, they don't even play it up. I mean, you know, it's like Fourth really. of July. Well, yeah, because he's coming there for the Christmas party. The thing's taking place at a Christmas party. He's coming there for the Christmas. I holiday. mean, I guess, but then people die, and that's way better than that. They part. say Christmas. Say yeah, they say Christmas. Yeah, which which in Rocky, they're just like, oh, is it Thanksgiving? Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they. But I think that also they don't even play up the five weeks that, that he has to train. Yeah, no. Right. That, but that also plays into the thing where Rocky is just this guy who goes and he grinds and he has to beat people up for a living. And he wants, you know, he thought he could be a big fighter, but then he goes and he fights and he gets 40 bucks for the night. You know, yeah. it, it really plays into that. He's just grinding through his life when this thing shows up and he has his, you know, his moment that we know is going to launch him into five sequels. But for all he knows is a three round knockout. It kind of works to the film's advantage. Because it, it, you know, it paints him as a guy who just has his head down all the time. He doesn't pay attention to things like that. To me, it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. And this is one of those movies that, like, oh, kind of going into it, I was like, oh, Rocky underdog story. Right. But that's like the least amount of thing you can take away from this at all. There's so much more, uh, even though we've you guys discovered in my Warf? minds before this. Do you see Worf in this? I don't know. Fisherman's Worf, yeah. That was the scene where he went to go beat up that no. guy for breaking his thumbs. <laughs> Michael Dorn as Worf. Oh, yeah? Michael Dorn was one of Apollo's uh, retinue. Mm. Yeah, for like five seconds. $40 mm. in 1975. And I'm like, hey, hey, that's Worf. $40 in 1975 yeah, would be $179.61 today. Mm. There you go. So he fought that oh. for less than 180 bucks. Yeah, which is... Which- How much would five bucks be? How much? That's how much he had to pay to use the shower. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that would be uh, twenty-two bucks. <laughs> Yipe! You had to pay twenty-two to bucks to take toilet. a shower. Well, to I think that's his gym membership, isn't it? Or uh, well, uh, for the fight when he's rattling oh, off. You know, the, oh, oh yeah, the shower yeah. fee. No, no, no. That's that's clearly that guy being a shyster. Yeah, oh yeah, seven percent. Okay. Yeah. All right, Zach, take us out of here. All right, that's going to do it for this week on Zach on Film. Make sure you go to com to give you all, all of your thoughts about Rocky in this episode and the podcast posting page. And while you're there, make sure you click on that Amazon.com link where you can go buy all of your Rocky memorabilia, all uh, 17 Rocky movies, all on glorious Blu-ray. Uh, it won't cost you a little, any extra, but a little bit. We'll come back to Major Spoilers to keep this ship afloat. So that's it for this week. Next week, we will be talking about Casablanca. You look at my notes. Casablanca. Yep, we're going to go with that next week on Zach on Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ladies, at Essential Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your health care journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. 
Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more.